Good evening, everybody. However you spent the last hour, I hope it was pleasant. And welcome to the third week of Advent in Emmaus Way. As we turn our theme this week to illumination and start that conversation with these words from Frederick Buechner. What is coming upon the world is the light of the world. It is Christ. That is the comfort of it. The challenge of it is that it has not come yet. Only the hope for it has come, only the longing for it. In the meantime, we're in the dark. And the dark, God knows, is also in us. We watch and wait for a holiness to heal us and hallow us, to liberate us from the dark. Advent is like the hush in a theater just before the curtain rises. It's like the hazy ring around the winter moon that means the coming of snow, which will turn the night to silver soon. But for the time being, our time, darkness is where we are. So we come tonight in the gathering almost already darkness to think about illumination and where that might show up. And we're picking up one verse a week of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And there's a lot of verses out there, but it's easy to find some that are thematically linked to the weeks of Advent. So I'll get us started. everybody and I think kids are headed upstairs for Advent study and meditation however much meditation you can get out of that group and who's lighting our Advent right tonight I've totally forgotten there they are the Clark Suttons come on up guys supposed to be all the Clark Suttons but Zoe and Solo have a cough that won't quit so They are home with Kyle. So I hope you're ready for my dramatic impersonation of all three of us. This week is illumination. Tonight, more candles on the wreath will be lit than not. And our hope and confidence grow as we see the promise of Advent unfolding. We're walking toward our world being illumined in a completely different way lit anew by God incarnate. In this new light, 
We see the people around us in new ways, not as enemies, competitors, or persons to be feared, but as siblings of God. As we light the third candle of illumination along with our candles of expectation and hope, we declare and celebrate that there is a light shining in the midst of waiting and expectation. And so we say together, shine on us, O God of justice. Guide our path through gloom of night. Bear within us wisdom's glory. Come to us, O Christ the light. Doing the work of four, thank you. Oh, yeah, I was wondering. I was like, my music is definitely off. I know it's not me. It's usually me. Uh, so this communal prayer again this week uh, to focus us on waiting and waiting together. And yes, we'll do an, let's do announcements after that because already, I'm already halfway in. So I'll do my part, and you got your part in the fold. Oh, God, the day will surely come. Hold us in the meantime, that we might not fear the long night. The time will surely arrive. Give us signs while we wait. What is left for us to do, O God, but to hold on to your promise, that new life can be born out of the most unlikely places? Help us, break us, stir us, so we don't miss you. announcements. One is, and I'll let him decide, you just, Jim, you just make the big announcement when you want to bring out your cinnamon rolls. But apparently there are cinnamon rolls that Jim wanted to protect, give you first shot at before the children. It's a very thoughtful, all around it's just thoughtful. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to bake. And so I made a little bit of bread last week, this week I made cinnamon rolls, I'm going to bring them out. They're, they are gluten full. <laughs> I'm sorry. There you go. That's how I want my cinnamon rolls, personally, but I understand. And, and also, because Suze was here in the 4 o'clock, it was very generously came just for the 4 o'clock hour to guide us in uh, pageanting. Yes. So, but you want to make an announcement. Yes, so uh, next week is the spontaneous Advent pageant. Uh, you should have gotten some communication about this. If you haven't heard anything about it, it's exactly what it sounds like. Next week there's going to be a pageant starting at 5 o'clock. It's completely spontaneous. If you are the parent of a child, encourage your child to dress up as a wise person or an angel or a shepherd or an animal or whatever. Um, whatever they want. Uh, so um, that'll be at 5 o'clock when some of your best and brightest are playing the roles, um, which of course it's spontaneous and they'll be holding their script in their hands and we'll be muddling through together. Um, but we are still missing a few roles. So I have a soft yes on a Herod and a star. Um, I have some confirmed actors, but we're still missing Herod's advisor and a couple angels um, who have some important speaking roles. Uh, so I'm going to leave these scripts up here. And uh, yeah, if that's you, take it. Tell Ben or Molly to pass along to me that you're in. Um, and if you were here during 4 o'clock, you also heard Neil rehearsing the songs. And it's going to be really, really good. So. Um, I'll be sending out sheet music for the closing number, so if you have an instrument that you once played and it has languished, this is your big chance. <laughs> so you'll be, you'll be getting sheet music for that too. Did I forget anything? I, I'm sure not. All right. Well, I have to go. Thank you, Suze, for staying to make that important announcement. But I'll see you all next week. Hooray. Uh, okay. Uh, Here's another. Another announcement. Yeah, we are having a Christmas Eve service. Oh, I remember. A Christmas that. Eve yeah. gathering, like we've done for the past, this is our fifth year. Um, it'll be at five o'clock on Christmas Eve, like it always is. Simple service, meaningful service, all ages. Um, but yeah, bring your family, if you have family in town, five o'clock here. So next Sunday, four o'clock first hour, five o'clock gathering, and then Christmas Eve will be at five. So. In this space. In this space, yep. Don't get confused. Calvary has a Christmas Eve service, I think starting at 
but just come down. Or you could go to Capitol. <laughs> Options. Okay. Well, with that, I'm Neil. Come on up. And I've totally, I realized, totally blanked. Um, oh, Phil. Fine, you can talk too, Phil. Go ahead. Okay. It's December, so if folks are looking to think about doing end-of-year giving, or just regular giving, just a reminder, the Silver Bowl is in the back corner there, or you can give online through our webpage, or you can send mail to our PO box. Feel free to contact me or Dave Thiessen if you need any help or assistance. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, good to be back. Um, and something that uh, is not listed in the bulletin, uh, but I'm pleased to introduce you all to Robert Thornhill. He's uh, a, a dear musical friend of mine, and so excited that he gets to play with us and share his gift with you guys. Um, I'm excited that you get to hear him. Um, cool. So uh, here's a, this first tune is by Blind Willie Johnson. He's a, an old Texas blues gospel player from the, the early teens, 20s. Um, I learned about him when I lived in Waco, and so it's kind of nice to be able to keep the thread alive.
See what I mean? Come on now. <laughs> Let's hear it for Robert Thornhill. Come on. Come on. Come on. Um, so uh, this next song is a Wilco tune. It is not Wild Mountain Time again. <laughs> I missed that one. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> when I was in, I studied uh, uh, theology in my undergrad at Azusa Pacific. Uh, so I have a bachelor's in arts and theology. So I guess that makes me a theologian, right? Uh, <clears throat> so this song, I think it does a cool thing of identifying what's universally true in all of us that might not clearly fit into a systematic framework. Uh, maybe it does, but uh, maybe it doesn't. Um, and uh, the, there's a Latin phrase in here that says, um, faith lights uh, faith is the light of the illiterate. I, th- I think that's right. Maybe someone can fact check me on that during the song. Um, and so, I don't know. I think that, that sits well. And the end of the song, is uh, he repeats the phrase. The, the, the name of the album that this is on is A Ghost is Born. So that's uh, down there at the bottom. And then talks about being a cherry ghost and, and interviews Jeff Tweedy. He's like, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, that's who wrote the song. And, and so I think that's cool, too. But, you know, you can think about light and kind of inner, inner light and being a cherry ghost and a ghost being born. Lots of good images to work with here, so um, don't, don't be too af- offended by the blasphemous nature of it. Let's see. Matthew 11, 
2 to 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The season of Advent is one that gradually moves us closer to the coming of Christ. We see it as a season of expectation. We begin this season in the liturgical calendar in darkness. And week by week, the light slowly breaks forth. We haven't reached Christmas yet, but we know it's coming. The American holiday of Christmas is one filled with Santa trains, tree lightings, decorating our homes with lights and evergreens. I really enjoy this time of year and more than ever in my life, I am really excited about the fanfare and celebration of it all. Part of it's our son Soren understands so much more about it, and it's just such a sweet time in our family. I love seeing the excitement on his face when we got to go pick out a Christmas tree, and even more when we start stringing the lights. The world just seems brighter than it did a few weeks ago. For a few moments, the world seems to be as it should be. In our scripture today, we find a very confused, frustrated, and depressed John the Baptist. This is not John the Baptist that leapt when Mary and Jesus came near. He is not John the Baptist that has been walking all over creation, heralding the coming of the Messiah, living off the land and preparing for the coming of a new kingdom. What we find here is a John the Baptist who has turned the world upside down, or who has had his world turned upside down. In just a moment's notice, John moved from having the ear of Herod to sitting in a cell awaiting his fate. John was lost. John finds himself in a prison cell. I don't know what it looked like in his day, but today, a restricted housing cell where I work has one small window a hatch for food to be passed, an electronically shut steel plate door, a toilet, and the worst bed you can imagine. Studies across the country have shown just how detrimental solitary confinement is to one's health. It is not a surprise that John turned to despair so quickly. Where I work, these men might be confined to single cells in solitary, but they have ways to communicate whether it be through the air ducts, fishing small pieces of paper between the doors with string, or through over-obliging staff members. It seems like John was able to have visitors, but even in the best of situations, we can all understand why John so quickly began to question himself and God. John could not see Jesus for who he truly was. John basically says, that's great and all for the lepers, the blind, and everybody else finding healing, but FYI, I'm still locked up. And this would be a great time to start kicking down doors and overthrowing the Romans before your number one prophet gets killed. John sends a message to Jesus. Are you the one to come, or are we to wait for another? John is afraid that Jesus isn't truly the Messiah because John had different expectations of who Christ should be. The world is closing in around John. Are you the one to come, or are we to wait 
for another. John's world had quite literally grown dark. His whole life had been for naught. He had spent years telling people that Christ was coming, and yet John was not able to see Jesus for who he truly is. The doubt and the despair had crept in. To judge from his preaching, the Messiah he expects will come with fire and brimstone, with winnowing fork in hand, to exercise judgment, and as one who will clean house. Instead, what John hears and sees is one who just brings forgiveness, healing, and mercy. What good is that against the power of Rome? In John's doubts, the gospel is revealed. Christ is not who John and many of the disciples expected him to be. John is sitting in prison. Jesus had been walking from town to town, healing the lepers, making the blind see, the lame walk, raising the dead. But where's the real justice in that? Where is the kingdom raising justice? Where is the parting of the Red Sea and the leading my people out of Egypt kind of justice? John has struggled to make the transition from prophet to disciple. John had great expectations for what kind of changes the Messiah would bring about. Is Jesus a Messiah that we can live with? Where is Jesus in our world today? On Driver Street, we wondered where Jesus was when Xavion Tucker was gunned down in front of our house. He was a 17-year-old kid walking around in his own neighborhood. Like many others, he had been caught up in the violence across Durham. Xavion had parents, brothers, and sisters, aunts and uncles, and grandparents who won't ever get to look upon his face again. It could be so easy to want to turn that despair into anger towards God, towards Jesus. We want results and for the violence to stop. Inviting more police into Durham, into East Durham doesn't seem to be the answer or fix anything. When bodies are being so easily discarded by the powers that be, where do we turn? Jesus seems to not be as concerned with the structural issues of his day, but more with bringing mercy, peace, and hope. Do these values protect anyone from tyranny and injustice? Mercy and peace. Mercy and peace is when Xavion Tucker's grandmother showed up on our doorstep on Thursday night. Sarah was able to sit with her in our living room, hold her hands, and simply listen to her tell her story about the life and death of her beloved grandson. There were no answers in that room. No laws were passed to fix gun violence in Durham. No protests scheduled. There was no quick fix for the loss of her grandson. What she needed most in that moment was simply to tell her story have someone else share in her pain for just a moment and receive mercy. What she needed was healing and for someone to walk alongside her in her pain and to weep. There's tension in that mercy though, right? Because after Xavion was killed, we sought shelter away from our neighborhood. We packed up our kids because we needed a safe space to regroup. Our life wasn't uprooted though, finances weren't ruined, our jobs weren't lost, but at the end of the day, even our privilege didn't protect us. Sarah, Soren, and Emma were right there, almost in the line of fire when the shooting happened. We went home a week later, and I could feel my anxiety build up when we walked across the street to vote, and I could feel myself, I can feel myself looking over my shoulder, even today when I hear a car racing down the street. Our lives have been changed forever by this loss of life. There are so many families like Xavians that can't ever leave, that live in fear every damn day, that they might be the next ones to recognize the shoes and legs of their son on the lawn of the neighborhood church or have bullets fly into their home. Where is God in the midst of such trauma? When will Christ come back and overthrow the powers and principalities that create and allow for such violence. During Advent, we are asking, are you sure? Are you sure 
there isn't another that is to come because this really doesn't feel like the one. What do we have to offer in a city that is seemingly at war? Where is the hope? Where do you see God in the midst of such despair? Why hasn't Jesus shown up to put a stop to the death and destruction of our community? After John had sent his messengers to question Jesus, Jesus turns and asks the crowd, who did you, ex- who did you expect to find in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? The Christ is not going to rule from Herod's throne or take up residence in the palace. Jesus did not show up in Galilee to conquer and overthrow a kingdom that will simply fall to dust in time, but to show mercy, bring hope, and offer forgiveness. For that does not decay. In Matthew's gospel, we find a Jesus that brings mercy to those that are suffering. He heals their afflictions, but he is also more simply just with them. God is with them. The theme for this Advent Sunday is illumination. I honestly struggled for a while with what to talk about. And even when Sarah and I were discussing where I might go with this homily, a question that I kept coming back to is, where's the illumination? Where does Jesus show up? I finally just said, I don't know what is being illuminated by my homily or what scripture has to do with illumination. I didn't pick it. As I kept struggling with it, I finally feel like the core question of this text is, who is Christ really? And what work is God doing in the world? And how can we get on board? Our eyes are being opened to the fact that Jesus' mission is one that is counterintuitive, a counter-narrative. It isn't that we should be ignoring the pain in the world and working through the powers that be to effect change on a larger scale, because we should be doing those things. But at the end of the day, what really matters is simply being with one another, simply being with those on the margins, sitting in homes with people that don't look like us, don't share the same background, but sitting together in an attempt to understand one another's pain and struggle. That is the real hard work. Jesus' message of healing and resurrection was really hard for John to hear. It is also really hard for many of us to hear today. When you're struggling to cope with the traumatic loss of a family member, sitting in a prison cell, on a hospice bed, or in the spiral of mental illness, It is pretty damn difficult to hear the glory of a newborn king. Today, as the light grows brighter, we look towards the coming of Christ. We must also remember that the message of Christ and the hope of Jesus is not completely lost in the darkness. Christ is most present in those weary places where all hope seems lost. And it is so easy to miss that Christ is present in the pain and suffering and darkness. Even when we feel the despair of a city and country and a world that is in disarray, Christ is there with us. Wherever you are experiencing pain and struggle, Christ is there. Christ is there. Christ is there. For the rest of this Advent, in the midst of the celebration of the coming of Christ, in the midst of the brightness of the Christmas season, in the travel and the hope of expectation, I am going to try to see where God is pulling me to be present in the tension. I'm going to look for those painful places of darkness. I'm going to look for Christ to see what he is doing, for Christ is there. I want us to close our eyes for a minute. This is how we're going to close. Consider an area where you see darkness. Hold it before God. And say with me three times, Christ is there. Christ is there. Christ is there. Christ is there. Amen. Brett.
that really meaningful homily. Um, it is hard, right, to talk about illumination when the world feels so dark and darkness overwhelms. A practice that I took on, gosh, about seven years ago, whenever I was maybe eight now, I just really didn't know where God was or really how to pray in the midst of so much pain and despair and what it meant to be present in the tension. And every day, I simply lit a candle that somehow in the dark, when I didn't have all the answers, by lighting a candle, it was a reminder that Christ is there. And tonight, as more candles are lit, and we are proclaiming that Christ is here and Christ is coming in the very places of pain, in the very places of hope, as we watch and wait for a holiness to heal us and hallow us and to heal our city and to hallow our country and to liberate us all once again in the dark. can rest in knowing Christ is there. We can also act and be present in the tension of the light in the midst of the dark. And tonight, our stations are going to help us be present to the tension of the illumination and the darkness. Each of them in their own way is a reminder for us that Christ is here and Christ is there even when we can't fully see it or know it. That's why week after week we come around an open table and break bread and pour wine or juice and tell one another the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, the love of God for you, the peace of God for you. Because even in your darkest moment, Christ is there, and not only is Christ there, but I am there too. So we have the open table as a station tonight with mold wine somewhere. Um, mold wine's in the silver containers. There we go. I knew, I knew I got the carafts to the right people. Okay, so mold wine is in the silver, um, and then grape juice is in the green. We have a contemplative station in the back where you can not only meditate and pray, but you can meditate and pray by moving your body. There are yoga mats, meditations, places to sit, candles to light and reflect that Sally and Laura so beautifully put together. We have over here a community art project that will be on display for the rest of this season into the new year. We are collaging um, the Bethlehem star that Ebbs and Becca have really thoughtfully put together. It's really easy. You find blue pieces out of a magazine or yellow shades out of a magazine and glue it down. It's a lot of fun. And thank goodness Ebbs is an illustrator, so she beautifully drew like a perfect Bethlehem star. Um, in the back corner, uh, Janelle and Jordan really thoughtfully put together a letter writing station and there is printed at that station the list of all of those who have lost loved ones due to gun violence in our city. And our thought and hope is that you would write a note to them in this really, I would imagine, complicated, conflicted season of celebration and deep sadness. And so you can write notes. You can also write a note to someone who just needs to be a reminder, be reminded that Christ is there, that you are there that there is even a light shining in the darkness. And then these two stations over here, we actually are going to create votives, uh, candles, with different means that you can take a candle and light it every day, that even in the deepest dark, you know that the light is still shining. So there are multiple possibilities. There's yarn that you can like tie around and do cool things with. There's washi tape that you can like tape around. There's tissue paper, you can maj podge. You could combine all three. 
however the spirit leads. Um, we have about 25 minutes or so to half hour for these stations, so feel free to move between them. But open table, collage, con contemplative prayer, candles, and letter writing. So let us enjoy our Advent stations of art and prayer. Singing. 
What through the tempest loudly roars I hear the truth it liveth Through the darkness round me close Songs in the night it giveth No storm can shake my inmost calm While to the rock I'm clinging If love is Lord of heaven and earth How can I keep from singing? tremble sick with fear and hear their death knell ringing the is both far and near how can I keep from singing no storm can shake my inmost calm while to the rock I'm clinging since love is heaven and earth how can I keep from singing prison cells and dungeon vials our thoughts to them are winging when friends by shame are undefiled how can i keep from singing no storm can shake my inmost calm while to the rock i'm clinging as love is lord of heaven and earth how can I keep from singing? And no storm can shake my inmost calm. While to the rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth. How can I keep from singing? How can I keep from singing? Um, okay, well, we are pert near at time, but we have one more song to do. Um, so, we're going to do it. And to help us do it, uh, this song has a little bit of old English in it. It's a little tricky. So, for those of you who remember your uh, dotted half notes, uh, this one's for you. Um, it'll help us get through this song together successfully. Um, or at least we'll have, you know, go down trying. <laughs> but it's a really pretty song. The timing's just weird. So uh, hopefully this will be enough of a guard, guardrail for us. Oh. 
show God's love aright. She bore to men a Savior when half spent was the forget if you're still in town next Sunday the first annual let's call it an annual thing Advent Christmas pageant is next Sunday that you do not want to miss Um, here now this benediction what is coming upon the world is the light of Christ it is Christ that is the comfort of it even as we wait so go in peace knowing that what is coming into the world is the light of Christ. So go in peace. See you next Sunday for the Advent pageant. I really cannot wait. So see you then.